Deuteronomy records the Shema, a confession of faith that devout Jews still use in their evening prayers. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. The significance of the Jewish Shema cannot be overestimated. As one of three monotheistic religions, Judaism declares that God is a plurality in unity, also known as the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God expresses himself in three distinct persons and personalities. By reciting the entire Shema, devoted Jews profess their monotheistic faith, declare their loving allegiance to the Lord, and commit themselves to the study of the Torah. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. The Bible Jesus Read on this Thursday edition of Something Good. Hello and thanks for being here for today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, always glad to have you with us. When Jesus was in the wilderness, Satan tempted him three times. And all three times, Jesus quoted scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. Ron takes us to this final book of the Pentateuch next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen anytime on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Deuteronomy, Remembering God's Law. After years of uh, faithful service, great leaders often give uh, what are called farewell addresses. And uh, none is more memorable in American history than President George Washington's farewell address. In fact, I learned this week that since February 22nd, 1862, members of the United States Senate have participated in the annual reading of Washington's 1796 farewell address. It's one of the time-honored traditions in the Senate for them to gather up and, and, and to just read through Washington's farewell address. By the way, when was the last time you glanced at it? I, I looked at it this week. I was blown away. We, we don't hear speeches like this anymore. And for those who want to cancel our founding fathers, oh my, we are intellectual pygmies compared to them. The soaring rhetoric of George Washington's farewell address, um, it's, it's just worth the read. No wonder it's a time-honored tradition in the Senate to read through that and to consider all that Washington said to uh, the new nation, that embryonic nation that was experimenting with a we-the-people kind of government. I, I encourage you to read it this week. Better yet? Read the book of Deuteronomy, because long before George Washington served as America's first president, God appointed someone to lead more than two million Hebrew slaves out of Egypt and to a land that he had promised to them. Of course, that leader, as iconic if not more than Washington, was a guy by the name of Moses, an epic hero on history's stage and the man of God's own choosing to forward the Israeli 
Exodus. The book of Deuteronomy contains a series of farewell addresses that Moses delivered on the plains of Moab to the children of Israel just prior to his death. And at the time he delivered these addresses, he was 120 years old. Now, if we have a picture of Moses to be this old, decrepit man, you know, who's in a wheelchair, who's got a cane and can barely walk and has a hard time stringing two thoughts together, (laughs) we got the wrong picture of him. Because the last chapter of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, which, by the way, was probably added in by, some say, Joshua, after Moses' death, the last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy says of Moses, his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. I mean, all the way to his last breath, here's Moses, 120 years old. His mind is as keenly sharp as it's ever been, and he has the strength of a, I don't know, a man half his age. Uh, The word Deuteronomy itself um, actually comes from the translators of the Septuagint. The Septuagint was the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, and they gave it the name Deuteronomy from two Greek words, deuteros meaning second and namas meaning law. And so Deuteronomy means the second law. In that sense, Deuteronomy is a book of remembrance. As the Lord instructed Moses to teach the law to a second generation of Israelites. These are the kids and the grandkids of the parents and grandparents who came out of Egypt and died in the wilderness. It's 40 years later, and they're sitting at the edge of the promised land, and Moses, this iconic leader, 120 years of age, stands before the kids and the grandkids, and yeah, there are elementary kids in there, and middle schoolers and high schoolers, and here's Moses giving this farewell address And you get the sense that everybody's on the edge of their seat, listening to what he has to say. Now, as I've been doing, I've given you a chart in your notes. We'll put it up on the screen here as well. But I want to give you that uh, 30,000-foot look at the book. It's a big one. It's 34 chapters, but it's three farewell addresses. Uh, The first one uh, starts in chapter 1 and goes through about the middle of chapter 4. And um, in the first address, Moses... Uh, is, is being historical, not hysterical, but historical. And he's looking back over the 40 years of wilderness wanderings. In the second speech by Moses, the largest section of the book is introspective. And it encourages the new generation of Israelites to look within by applying God's word to their life and his law to their life and uh, doing it through a time of self-examination. The third sermon or speech that Moses gives is prospective in nature, and he he looks ahead to the time when the Israelites will physically dwell in the promised land, having taken it by conquest, and we're going to get into all that next time in the book of Joshua, when they fight the battles in the promised land to take possession of all that God had entrusted to them. If Numbers spans 40 years, and it does, Deuteronomy happens over about a two-month period. It's near the end of Moses' life. He's got about 30 days before he scales Mount Nebo, gets a glimpse of the promised land, and then dies on the mountaintop. The other 30 days are the traditional days of mourning that come after a leader like Moses uh, has died. 
Now, uh, Deuteronomy repeats many of the same laws and ordinances found in the book of Leviticus and then expands the law. You may be wondering, you know, what's the difference between the two books? Well, Leviticus, you may remember, was written to the priests and the Levites. It's that handbook on holiness that the Levites would use. It instructed them in their uh, tabernacle duties. Uh, Certainly, the uh, instructions spilled over into the lives of the people. But Leviticus, Leviticus is primarily written to... Um, the, the uh, religious leaders. Deuteronomy is written to lay people. It's written to the everyday Israelite at that time, and for that reason, Deuteronomy soars rhetorically in ways that we don't find in other parts of the Pentateuch. For example, it's in Deuteronomy that we have the Shema, uh, the Jewish Shema, a confession of faith that devout Jews still use in their evening prayers 3,500 years later. And you find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your might. It just doesn't get any better than that. And Deuteronomy gives this to us. And it has stood the test of time in um, devout Jewish households as they say their evening prayers. The significance of the Jewish Shema cannot be overestimated. Uh, It suggests to us that Judaism is one of those three monotheistic faiths. Uh, Judaism declares that God is a plurality in unity. Uh, It gives a hint to what we know as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God who expresses himself in three distinct persons and personalities. You say, Pastor, where do you see that? Because if you're a Unitarian, you use the Jewish Shema to deny the Trinity, because they say, look, I mean, uh, God is uh, uh, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. He's not a, a plurality in unity, say the Unitarians. Ah, but the Unitarians haven't done their homework. When you dive deeper into the Hebrew language in which the Shema was written, what you discover is a couple things. That word one is a particular word in the Hebrew language that speaks of a collective or compound unity, ah, a hint to the Trinity. And, and the phrase, our God, is the plural form of God's name, Elohim, which we find all the way back in the creation story. Again, hints to uh, uh, this one God who expresses himself in three distinct persons and personalities. So there's a lot of theology <laughs> in the Shema. Uh, By reciting the entire Shema, the devoted Jews profess their monotheistic faith. They declare their loving allegiance to the Lord. They commit themselves to the study of the Torah. And this is why it's such an important part of, uh, of Judaism. It's also the kind of ancient liturgy that has some practical matters for parents. Parents at the time of Moses, and uh, parents for us today. In fact, parents and grandparents um, lean in on this a little bit because when you read on in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, Moses goes on to say, and this is part of the Shema as well, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
Listen, parents, this is how you raise kids who love God. Just some plain talk here from, uh, from, from Moses. There's still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, so stay right here. Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good Courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. The second half of today's message, Deuteronomy, Remembering God's Law, comes your way next. Stay with us to learn the best way to overcome temptation. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Now, if Leviticus is worthy of our fondest affections, and we said a few weeks ago, do you remember our phrase? I love Leviticus. Come on now, you're not saying that with the enthusiasm that uh, you know, we, we had a few weeks ago. But we said, I love Leviticus. I've got another phrase for you. Are you ready? Deuteronomy is delicious. Say it with me. <laughs> Deuteronomy is delicious. Yeah, feast on the Word of God, which is the bread of life. You know, even Jesus consumed large portions of the book of Deuteronomy and committed it to memory. You know how we know that? Because when Jesus went into the wilderness and uh, uh, engaged in a time of prayer and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, remember the devil came to him at the end of that time and tempted him, not once, not twice, but three times, and not once, not twice, but three times, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He drew his sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you know what sword he drew from? All three times. Deuteronomy. It's always convicting for me to remember that because I think to myself, if my ability to, to successfully manage temptation and spiritual warfare depended upon how much of Deuteronomy I had committed to memory, oh, oh my. But Jesus knew the Torah. It was part of his Jewish training. And okay, he had an advantage because he is the living word of God. He wrote it, right? But there's an, uh, an example there for us. So say it with me again. Deuteronomy is delicious. Deuteronomy 8 in verse 3 tells us as much. Moses reminded the Israelites of God's provision for them in the wilderness. He said, and he humbled you and let you go hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know, listen to this, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy and every bit of God's word is delicious. Eat it, consume it, take it in, like it is your daily bread, because it is daily bread. It is the bread of life and it nourishes your soul. Your physical body needs bread to nourish your physical body. Your soul needs the bread of life and the word of God to nourish your soul as well. There's another reason I believe Deuteronomy is delicious, and it's because Deuteronomy reveals God's love for us for the first time in the Bible. Think about that. 
We've been through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and not until the book of Deuteronomy do we hear language that says God loves us. Now, Genesis through Numbers uh, tells us and reveals to us aspects of God's character uh, that, that are fantastic, and we could talk long about all that we learn in terms of how God has revealed himself to us. Why he waited until Deuteronomy to say, I love you, I'm not sure, but let me just give you one sampling of where this is found in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 7 and verses 7 and 8, the Lord says through Moses, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples. In other words, Israelites, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, all right? But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, a king of Egypt. And we could go to three or four other places in the book of Deuteronomy where, where the love of God begins to to rise up. That's, that's why Deuteronomy, the soaring rhetoric of Deuteronomy, it makes it a delicious book uh, to consume into our souls. Uh, Deuteronomy may not soar to the heights of John 3.16 when it comes to the love of God. I mean, what does? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But Deuteronomy comes close. And uh, we learn about the love of God in Deuteronomy. Now, having said all of that, what I want to do for the time that we have remaining is uh, ascend the mountaintop of Deuteronomy and, um, and take a look at, at four major uh, principles that arise out of the teaching of this book. I've been having this picture in my mind all week of the 14ers in Colorado, these, uh, uh, these, these uh, mountain peaks of 14,000 feet that arise. And, just, just picture that. We're going we're gonna to skip from one principle to the next principle, but we've got to get up high to see some of this. And the first principle that I find uh, spoken from Moses' farewell address and from the plains of Moab is what I call the principle of obedience. The principle of obedience. It is all throughout the 34 chapters. And I can only give you a, a sampling of it, starting in chapter 4 and verse 1. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Same chapter, chapter 4 and verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Same chapter, verse 14, almost repeats itself. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Let's skip to chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. In other words, these commandments, you know, the old Nike thing, just do it. Just put it into practice. Don't just consume truth 
uh, to enlarge your intellect or even to enlarge your heart. Oh, I just, I just feel so good about God. No, it, it needs to get down to our hands and to our feet when we put it into practice. And the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. The New Testament tells us that. And uh, Moses even says here, which I am commanding you today for your good. God has our, our good intentions and our best at heart when he, he tells us what to do. And repeatedly, Moses instructs the children of Israel to do what the Lord told them to do. Now, th this is not just a, an Old Testament thing. Because we get this idea even from the New Testament book of James. Remember James, the half-brother of Jesus? The James that, yeah, played stickball with Jesus in the streets of Nazareth. And uh, the James that was a little bit skeptical. Eh, my brother, the Savior, not so sure. But after the resurrection, the James that called him Lord and God. That James wrote a book that we have in our New Testament. And James chapter 1 and verse 22 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Yeah, we deceive ourselves if we think that we are somehow just okay with God, if, if we're trafficking in unapplied truth. And that's where too many of us uh, perhaps are. John Samus was a Presbyterian minister from Indiana who wrote a little over a hundred hymns of the faith. I know one of them that you uh, probably recognize, titled Trust and Obey. Remember the chorus? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And this is kind of what Moses is saying to this second generation of Israelites who are there on the plains of Moab, getting ready to cross the Jordan River, albeit under Joshua's leadership, and take possession of the promised land. He's saying, trust God and obey him. The obedience of faith was something that their parents and grandparents did not exercise, and that's why they died in the wilderness. And we said last week, no, they didn't lose their salvation. They didn't experience the victorious Christian life. The abundant Christian life is, is the picture there. And that's where too many of us are. We've not exercised the obedience of faith. It takes faith to put into practice the truth that you know. And Moses could not have been clearer to this generation. He even says to them, I'm laying before you two paths, a blessing or a curse. You decide what you're gonna do. You decide which direction you're gonna go. Do you want to live the abundant, joyful Christian life God has promised you? Trust Him and obey Him. You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message, Deuteronomy, Remembering God's Law, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Need prayer today? Stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org and share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you 
because your prayers and financial support make it possible for Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your donations do make a difference. And when you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by sending you a new resource he wrote that goes along with his current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's a 45-page ebook based on the books of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Request this digital download when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. You need to read Deuteronomy with a strong sense of urgency. As Moses knows, time is running out and he needs to communicate this to the next generation. And hopefully parents and grandparents, you sense the same urgency about your kids and your grandkids. Time is running out. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Deuteronomy, Remembering God's Law. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.